Hello, this is Edwin Crozier again from the Franklin Church of Christ. I'm so glad you've joined us for the study of God's Word. The lesson you're about to hear was preached the first Sunday of 2005. But whether you're looking at a new year or just wanting to consider your future, the lessons from Philippians chapter 3 are perfect for you. If we're going to grow purposefully and intentionally, we have to learn the secrets of spiritual success. So join me as we look at Paul's plan for pressing on to the goal. We've now entered a new year. This week has been for us a week of reflection and a week of planning, and I hope as you went through the week that you were able to examine your life based on what we studied last week from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, looking at whether or not you fought the good fight and whether or not you plan to do so in the coming year, whether you finished the course or kept on course and plan to do so in the coming year, and whether you've kept the faith and plan to do so within this coming year. I'd like for us, as we consider this and as we begin our new year and we're looking off into the future, to hone in on some of the things that we brought up in last week's lesson. I'd like for us to think about the concept of pressing on to the goal. And evidently, my slide did not perform properly. You weren't supposed to see all the points at the very beginning of the lesson. So we're just going to back that up. Pressing on to the goal. Look in Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8 goes on to say more than that. I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained it, or have already become perfect, verse 12 says, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are imperfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Verse 18, For many walk, of whom I am often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory, by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. I'd like for us to examine Paul's concept of pressing on to the goal. And as we look at this, I want us to note six keys about pressing on to the goal. 
And I guess I'll go ahead and let you see all of them. Consider the end first. Develop the proper attitude. You've got to press on. You've got to follow the standard. You've got to remove hindrances. And you've got to connect with others. Consider the end first. One of the popular statements or phrases used today in the modern business world, begin with the end in mind. Any of you heard that lately? Oh man, we hear it all the time. It's not new. Stephen Covey didn't develop that in his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Paul said it right here in Philippians chapter 3 as he talked about pressing on to the goal as he considered his plans for his life. What was of utmost importance was the end. The ultimate goal. In verse 11, he says that he does all this in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And then in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was able to grow. And Paul was able to develop. And Paul was able to move on spiritually. Because he had that ultimate goal in his mind. We need to remember the end. Before we give thought to what we want to do tomorrow or next week, before we make plans for next month, and before we consider what we want to happen in the year 2005, we need to remember that as John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29 says, a day of judgment is coming. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, the Scripture reads, this is Jesus speaking, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. The resurrection is coming. A day of judgment is coming. And as we consider what we're going to do with our future, we need to keep in mind what do we want to happen on this day. Do we want the resurrection to lie? Or are we willing to settle for the resurrection of destruction? Because when we have that firmly set in our minds, it's going to impact what we do today, what we do this week, what we do this year. Psalm 90 and verse 12, the one psalm written by Moses, Moses in Psalm 90 and verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. What was he saying? Moses was saying, Remember that the end is coming and keep that in mind. As we strive to press on to the goal, we've got to consider the end first. As we consider this year and as we plan for our spiritual growth, as we consider goals within this year, so that we won't be walking blindly, Paul demonstrates in Philippians chapter 3 that we need to maintain the proper attitude. This is more than just PMA, positive mental attitude. This is more than just being the little engine that said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. He actually describes three aspects of the kind of attitude that we need to have if we are going to accomplish the goals, if we are going to continue to grow. There in Philippians chapter 3, 
In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 15, he says, Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. What attitude? Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. The first aspect of our attitude is we've got to realize we're not there yet. If we begin to feel as though we're there, as though we've arrived, as though we've accomplished the goals that we have set for us, we're going to sit down, we're going to laze about, and we're not going to do anything. But Paul was not willing to do that because he realized, I'm not there yet. The second aspect, as you can sit and continue on, in verse 13, he says, Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and looking forward, what lies ahead. The second aspect of our attitude has to be that we don't get bogged down in the past, but we look to the future. We don't get bogged down in yesterday's failures thinking, well, I won't ever amount to much. I can't grow. Look at how I've messed it up in the past. At the same time, we don't get bogged down and blinded by our elation over yesterday's successes. Oh boy, did y'all see how good I did last year? I tell you what, every single one of my goals, I met them all. And for the rest of our lives, stuck in 2004 and don't ever accomplish anything else. Don't get bogged down in the past. Look ahead. And finally, the third attitude that we see here, verse 14, I press on toward the goal. He had a press on attitude. An attitude that says that whatever happens, I am going to keep going. But this is more than just an attitude. In fact, we need to expand upon this and recognize this, and if you've looked ahead, you already saw it, that this needs to be expanded as another key to our ability to accomplish our goals, to grow and develop spiritually. We need to press on. It needs to be more than just an attitude. It needs to be something that we do every day. And I believe there are three aspects implied by the concept of pressing on. Number one, as we recognize that we've got to press on toward the goal, we have to come to grips with a great paradox. Paul had come to grips with it. We have to, at the same time, be content with where we are and yet discontent with where we are. In verse 12, when Paul said, I haven't laid hold of it yet. So I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't grown enough yet. I'm not where I want to be yet, he said. And yet we don't see him there despairing regarding his salvation. He was content in God's grace. And therefore he realized that if he died at that moment, he was prepared. But at the same time, he was discontent because he wouldn't stop. He didn't say, well, God's grace is out there so I can stop where I am now. I'm content. I haven't made it yet, but I've come far enough. He wanted to keep pushing. And as long as there was breath in his body, he was going to press on and get closer and closer to the goal. We have to be able to come to grips with that paradox. Being content in God's grace so that we don't despair and quit trying to serve the Lord. And yet discontent enough with our own present state that we don't become satisfied with where we are. But we'll keep moving on. 
realizing that we have real growth. We've got to come to grips with that. The second thing implied with this is that we've got to be happy with progress. Paul pointed out, I haven't reached it yet, but I'm closer. And I'm going to get closer tomorrow. <coughs> Excuse me. And I'm going to be closer the next day. And by the end of this year, I'm going to be closer. I'm pressing on toward the goal. I'm not moving backwards. I'm not standing still. I'm moving forward. I'm making progress. As we keep the big picture of the end goal in mind of wanting to be resurrected in Christ, as we keep that big picture in mind, we have to be happy and thankful for the small victories. Recognizing that by the end of this year, we're not going to be the absolute perfect Christians that we want to be. It's just not going to happen. I can tell you that right now. But we can be better. And the folks around us will not be, despite how much we try to fix them, by the end of this year, they will not be the absolute perfect Christians. But if we work together, they can be better. And we have to be patient. And be thankful for the small victories. The baby steps, as it were. And as a congregation, by the end of this year, we are not going to be the perfect epitome of one of God's congregations. But we can be better. But it takes patience. We have to be happy with progress. And the third thing that we consider with pressing on, it's just implied by this idea of pressing on when we consider what that means, is we recognize that pressing on means taking one step at a time. Here is where we go from our major goal of wanting the ultimate end, the resurrection, and we bring it down to this year or this month, or this week, or this day. We recognize that we're going to accomplish this goal, but we're going to accomplish it at one step at a time. And so what should our next step be? As we consider that ultimate goal of wanting to be resurrected, what things have we got to do to get there? Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, I think provides some subordinate goals for us. In Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-8, through 8, the Scripture there says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, in your moral excellence, knowledge, in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, in your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Now notice verse 11. Here's the goal. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. See, there's the goal. That's the ultimate goal, right? How are we going to get there? Add to your faith. Virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control, and on the list goes. What steps do you need to take this year? Perhaps you look at some of these character traits and say, wow, I really need to work on that one. I need to increase my faith. 
I need to increase my moral excellence. I need to increase my knowledge. What goals, what steps do you need to take this year to help move you along to that ultimate goal? Take that step. Press on. Be thankful for the progress. Grasp that paradox of being content in God's grace, but discontent to stay where you are. And move forward. I want you to think for just a moment. What things do you need to do this year? Do you need to work on some of these character traits? Is there some amount of knowledge you'd like to have? Would you like to have a cursory knowledge of the books of the Bible? Is there a particular book that you'd like to have greater understanding? A particular passage that you want to delve in? Is there a particular question that you're wanting to answer biblically this year? What are the daily disciplines that you'll need to do to accomplish that? One step at a time. If you don't mind, let me just add something in here. I was talking with my brother-in-law last week as we were talking about goals. And something occurred to me. I think that perhaps sometimes when we make our yearly goals, our New Year's resolutions, we make our goals the wrong things. Because what's our goal? My goal this year is to make sure I read the Bible every day. On January 5th, I will probably botch that goal. Because I won't read on January 5th or, or 6th. And then once I've missed one day... I've ruined the goal, haven't I? Because my goal was to read every day. If I miss one day, it's over. What would be a lot better is if we understood it this way. Actually, I have this goal. I want to read my Bible. I want to develop a habit of Bible reading. I want to read a particular book. I want to study... Whatever the goal is, keep it something like that so that if I miss a day of Bible reading, I haven't ruined the goal. And, but then realize that I have some daily disciplines I've got to start working on if I'm going to accomplish the goal. I've got to pray. I've got to read. I've got to study. I've got to visit with some Christians. Whatever those daily disciplines are. That way, even if one day we mess up on the plan, we haven't ruined the whole goal. We can continue on. Does that make sense? I think perhaps sometimes we, we get our eyes focused on the wrong goal there. But whatever, we, whatever our goal is, we've got to press on. One foot in front of the other, no matter what happens, continuing on down the path so that we can reach that ultimate goal eventually. As we work towards our goal, Paul in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. As we reach for the goal, we've got to live by God's standard. He's given us His guidebook so that we'll know how to serve Him. And I know this may seem like a no-brainer because we're talking about spiritual goals and surely if we have spiritual goals that are based on the Word of God, we'll just naturally follow God's standards. But I think we have to keep in mind that sometimes in the midst of all this, things can shift. I know there are churches that had great spiritual goals. What they wanted to do was they wanted to bring more people to Christ, but as they... They thought about that and they put that goal before them and said, well, we just got to get more people here, we got to get more people here, and suddenly they start trying to get people here in ways that don't fit with the standard. Or I've known people or heard of people 
that, that wanted to get the message of the gospel out to a larger audience. They wanted to speak to more than just those folks that are within our fellowship. And they thought, you know, I'd really like to be a writer. I'd like to be an author. And what they found out is that, well, if I just give the message in the Bible, nobody's going to listen to me. And so they, they toned it down. They softened it down. They weakened it. And they started writing. And now they're writing all kinds of books. But they're no longer presenting God's message. They had a worthy goal, but they forgot to follow the standard. Just think about this. In your company... Your company has goals. They might have production goals. They might have high production goals. But they refuse to allow you to weaken the quality just to make the production goals. They've got standards. That's the same thing for us. No matter how high our goals are, we can't cut corners. We've got to follow the standard. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Chapter 11 and verse 9 sums it up. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 9, he says, Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. Follow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes, yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all these things. As we establish our goals, we're allowed to, to, to do what we want. But remember, God will bring us into judgment. Live by the standard. Back in Philippians chapter 3, we recognize another of Paul's keys for successful spiritual growth and pressing on to the goal. And that was he was going to cut out the hindrances. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he says, Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. And on he goes, talking about his gold. But he points out, I've gotten rid of everything else. The things that would hinder me, I've gotten rid of those. Even though they might have been good for me in one aspect of this life, they were keeping me from knowing Christ. They were keeping me from conforming to His suffering. They were keeping me from the resurrection. And so I got rid of them. And he said it was like throwing the trash away. It, it, it didn't even really bother him because he had set his sight on the goal. And nothing else mattered. We've got to learn to be able to get rid of the things that keep us from the goal. Clearly, we recognize this means sin. Any sinful habit, got to get rid of it. We've got to limit the sinful influences, though I recognize we live in the world and we won't get rid of those completely. But we don't have to put ourselves in the path of any of them. Goals that are mutually exclusive, that are contradictory, that take us in the wrong path, clearly, we've got to get rid of those. But probably the most difficult thing is some of those things that we know are good. They're all right by themselves. But they just distract us. They distract us too much. And they don't allow us to spend the time serving God, doing His will, making our way toward the goal. They may not be killing the goal. They may not be sinful and just stopping us from getting the goal right there. But little by little, it hinders us from making progress because it keeps us from focusing on the goal. We've got to learn to get rid of that too. One of the greatest statements I've heard recently, we have time 
to do anything we want. But we do not have the time to do everything we want. Therefore, we better prioritize, figure out what the goal is, and get rid of the things that are going to keep us from reaching the goal. And focus our time toward that. And finally, we've got to connect with others. Paul, in verse 17 of Philippians 3, said, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk of whom I've often told you and now tell you even weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. We need to connect with others who have accomplished or are accomplishing the goals we want to. Paul pointed out we, we can observe those who've done it. We can observe them by reading the Scripture. Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the Hebrew writer points out to us, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witness surrounding us, <clears throat> let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's take a look at these folks. What did they do? How did they live? Let's learn from them. Let's connect with them. And be like them. But it's not just about observing their example. Let's take a look at some of the living saints, the ones that are around us that are accomplishing the goals. Let's connect with them. You remember Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning at verse 9? Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, Solomon wrote, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. He says two are better than one. Three are better than two. Find you a handful of friends that you can get together with that will challenge you, that will stimulate you, that you can look up to as examples. Connect with them. I know we're not going to be able to do that with everybody in the congregation, but we ought to be able to find somebody that we can do that with and develop those relationships that will push us on to our goals. That's very interesting. Everybody here, anybody here work or have worked at some point in their lives for, for a company, for an employer? Hey, do you have goals on the job? Do they have goals, a lot of them? Production goals? Steve, I know you run your own company. Do you all have goals? Yeah. Are you just saying that because you think that's the answer I want? Yeah, of course you have goals. Production goals, service goals, quality goals. One of the things that amazes me is that some of the folks who idolize goals in the workplace will come to their spiritual lives and never once even think about setting goals or plans to grow spiritually. They would never do that if they were running a business. But as they run the spiritual business of their lives, they walk blind. I've done it. This isn't easy. It's a struggle to think about and actually lay down. What, what goals do I want to reach this year? But we need to do it. And we need to press on to the goal. Considering the end at all times. Keeping the proper attitude. 
pressing on. Following the standard. Removing the hindrances and connecting with others. Let's press on to the goal. Thank you so much for joining the Franklin Church of Christ and me in examining God's Word. Let's remember what we learned. If we're going to press on to the goal, we must, one, consider the end first, two, develop the proper attitude, three, press on, four, follow the standard, five, remove obstacles, and six, Connect with people who are accomplishing what we want to accomplish. I certainly hope you've benefited from this look at purposeful spiritual growth. If someone has given you this lesson, please feel free to check out our website to access numerous other lessons in manuscript or audio format. That website is www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. If you have any questions about spiritual growth or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please feel free to contact us by calling 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.